every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This is part three in our special three-part mini-series focused on Salesforce's world-renowned Dreamforce Conference. Part three features another fascinating interview with one of today's brightest minds in marketing. Colin Fleming is the Senior Vice President of Global Brand, Events, Product, Content, and Customer Marketing at Salesforce. Colin and his team have been tasked with bringing Salesforce's revolutionary new Salesforce Plus product offering to life and planning its official launch at Dreamforce 2021. In this interview, Colin shares how Salesforce Plus came to life, why he's likened it to Salesforce's version of Disney Plus, and what he'd do differently if given the chance to execute the massive Salesforce Plus rollout all over again. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com. If you are a B2B marketer who has always dreamed of knowing when a qualified prospect is on your site and being able to talk to them instantly, now you can. Learn more at Qualified.com. So please enjoy this extra special interview between Colin Fleming, Senior Vice President of Global Brand, Events, Product, Content, and Customer Marketing at Salesforce, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today we are joined by special guest, Colin, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Ian. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Excited to chat with you today. We're going to be talking about Salesforce Plus. We're going to be talking about a lot of amazing stuff that you all are doing at Salesforce. You have a really cool job there, and uh, and we're super excited to get into all that. But first, what was your very first role at Salesforce? Very first role, 11 years ago, funny. I was a product marketing manager for a company we had acquired called Jigsaw, and it was a business-to-business, business card, human contact database that is no longer a product within the Salesforce portfolio, but definitely um, was part of a big, big community of marketers that have gone on to do uh, sort of bigger and better things within the company as well. And is it true that you were a Red Bull racing driver before you got into marketing? It, it is true. It's funny. Usually that's the first question. Uh, but yes, I was, a, I was a racing driver for Red Bull's junior team and a Formula One test driver for Red Bull Racing. And any insights? I'd imagine that it's a lot less, a uh, lot less stressful being inside of a racing car than working at Salesforce. <laughs> the two have overlapping similarities for sure. Um, it's funny. I was just talking with the members of the keynote team at, at Salesforce. We were just saying that the stress and pressure of the week before Dreamforce, of which we are in right now as we're recording this, actually, is very similar to the stress before entering a race or whatever it may be. So yeah, there's a lot of overlapping similarities there, but. Uh, you know, it has its moments for sure, but uh, yeah, there's a lot, lot alike. Well, we had an interview on on one of our other podcasts with uh, the CMO of Red Bull Racing, so we've actually done a bunch of uh, of, of oh, funny. Yeah, it was really uh, Ollie. It was really fun, and you know what a cool company to to work for. And and similarly, you know, Salesforce, we're we're really excited about this little mini series that we got going on leading up to Dreamforce here. We did our first episode with Linda and with Craig and Dan talking about, you know, the evolution of, of Dreamforce and, uh, and, and kind of at the end there teed up this idea 
uh, or not this idea, this uh, this amazing thing that you all built called Salesforce Plus. So we want to go deep into that today. I'd love to go back in time. What were the origins of Salesforce Plus? You know, it's one of those those you know traditional stories of an overnight success that took eight years, um, right? But I think you know, when you think about Salesforce, you, you, we've always tried. We've, there's this sort of trailblazing spirit within Salesforce. We don't <laughs> we don't look to the traditional business to business companies for inspiration. We do look to the consumer world and. You know, there's been various uh, editions of this, if you will. You know, we launched Salesforce Live, I think, probably six or seven years ago, which we, you know, we've used to broadcast Dreamforce and some of our major events. And uh, that's a video-based environment, typically live-streamed, but also some on-demand things. And we had a lot of good, good success with that and learned a lot of lessons along the way. We've built a Salesforce radio program where we built, you know, a podcast studio inside Salesforce and did some fun things there. Um, you know, since the, especially since the pandemic started, we had built a sort of a technology platform to host our events, um, mm-hmm. you know, publicly in, in a live streaming capacity. And, you know, we looked at the market and we didn't find an events platform that could really meet our needs scale wise. And I think a lot of those things kind of came together as like, a, OK, there's something interesting in bringing these things together. And when the pandemic hit, you know, we looked and I think a lot of the demand was. I'm going to bring, I'm going to go build a uh, an avatar-like setting where you have a fake avatar and you walk around an expo hall. Everything was just a very much a translated thing from the physical to the virtual and or to the digital. And that didn't feel like Salesforce. That didn't feel like the way we should do it, where you have these mock demo booths in, in an arbitrary and augmented reality setting. It just didn't feel like that's the way people wanted to engage. So we looked, you know, we looked at, okay, if that's not the way people want to engage, what is the way people want to engage? And, you know, it's pretty obvious that we've seen this amazing growth of the Netflixes of the world and the Pelotons of the world and the Stravas of the world since the since this pandemic started. And it kind of, it was pretty clear to us that that was the direction we should be going rather than this, you know, kind of events marketing vision that didn't seem to be coming off. And so we kind of looked at it in, in sort of, in a very quick fashion, actually, when we started in this in rigor, it was just earlier this year. This exercise has only been in works for about six months. So of course it's happened quickly, but there was a lot of kind of work here along the way. And then, you know, we started talking about, okay, what would this platform look like? Um, and of course we turned to lots of great consumer world analogies that we would turn to, you know, that Salesforce was founded upon what it should be as easy to use as it is to buy a book on Amazon. You know, there's always been this consumer world analogy we've kind of attached ourselves to. And so Netflix and Peloton were that for us. You know, there's live content in Peloton that has engaged community. Netflix has an incredible world-class on-demand viewing platform. And there's a lot of just a lot of inspiration there. Another thing that happened, which was on the content side, of course, we looked at the platform. We could build the best platform, but if the content sucks, it's not going to go very far. And so we also looked at a lot of the work we did. In fact, you know, Salesforce has been historically known as an events company that happens to sell software on the side. Like we think about events as forcing functions for our organization. And, you know, Dreamforce is, you know, one of the largest conferences in the world. And we're really proud of that. But when the pandemic happened, of course, all of that froze. And so we turned a lot of that energy into content. And we launched a series called Leading Through Change, which actually won Content Marketing Awards, Content Marketing Program of the Year this year. Really proud. We did something like 70 episodes, just helping people get through the pandemic bringing incredible visionary leaders on, celebrities, musical talent, just to help people kind of get through what has, of course, been a really trying time. 
And so we quickly realized as well that like you got to do content right. And we struggled the first little go. It was the door. We we didn't know what we were doing, but built this muscle over time. We brought in some talent from ABC News and from CBS and from other places that would help us think about it as a media company to a degree. And that was sort of all last year. And then, you know, wintertime this year, it all kind of converged. We're like, if we match this amazing content with our events portfolio and these experiments we've been doing on the side, it all comes together in this really interesting way. And that was the birth of Salesforce Plus. You know, it's so fascinating to me. I mean, I think so often, I mean, you, you know, Caspian, we build podcasts for companies. So it's amazing to think about like holistically the different ways that content affects people's businesses. And I think that one of the things that is so interesting and impactful about content is how many different levels of the business that it hits, right? It's like, it's extremely complex when you're talking about all the different things that kind of content does, how it obviously, you know, helps with brand awareness and consideration, and it can drive pipeline, and it can tell customer stories, and it can do all these different things which all of those things are different, you know, um, it can help with obviously with SEO, it's like critical, obviously, to, to drive SEO, like, it does all these different things. And yet, historically, I think marketers have, have under invested in content. Like, why do you think that is? We ask ourselves that same exact question. Um, and in fact, just a couple of years ago, we led an internal mission we called the content revolution within Salesforce, which was trying to turn our working model around content on its head. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that business-to-business -business companies struggle with, or at least in our space, which is, it's, it's as much, you look at it very similar to a brand awareness investment where you measure return in years to a degree rather than days or months, right? Yep. And that model struggles a little bit in most B2B organizations when you think about, I need to make my quarter, I need to make my pipe gen number, I need to make my MQL number, I need to make these sort of targets we set forth. And you end up in this short-term mentality of just kind of repeating the same things that happen. I'm going to put an ebook e out and I'm going to get X amount of form completes as a result or those kind of mach that machine. And that machine works. I mean, Salesforce is quite, quite active in that machine, let's say. But in my role, in, you know, especially with the help of our CMO, Sarah Franklin, we wanted to put a little bit of a longer-term view on how we think about marketing. We did that through a couple things, through big brand awareness investments. We made a really interesting announcement in partnership with the Olympics for the next seven years. And just you know, really putting the brand on a new pedestal and trying to be a top, you know, five business, the business brand in the world. And so there's a big, big focus there. So we made some more traditional, but traditional for business to consumer, not traditional for business to business environments and, and, and investments. But what we did on the content side was we just started looking at it with a longer-term horizon. There's a couple things happening in the world. Of course, we're all staring down a cookie-less future. We have to think about what it means to build our own communities and our own first-party data sets. And the way we thought about that was we do it with thoughtful, really great content. And not, not content that's transactional, that gets to a form complete, but content that helps people do better at their jobs. And in fact, um, we look at this with our trailhead offering, and if um, it's a fun and easy way to, to learn Salesforce. We've done that for several years now, and, and it's, there's no real return for Salesforce in that from a transactional perspective. It's really just helping grow the overall community within Salesforce to be better at what they do. And we thought we could extend that to our content side as well. And so really the content we're putting out now is not transactional. It's not behind a gate. It's essentially there to help people be better at their jobs as salespeople or marketers or commerce individuals or admins or devs. It's really just to help people be better. And we think organically that will help grow the business as well.
so, I mean, the, the philosophy for my company is focused around kind of like three different groups there, which is like, you know, our customers, customers, customers are the audience, basically all the people that are listening to the shows that we create and the guests that we put on all the shows, which are who's people who's, who's, who's trusting us to tell their stories like you. And I think that so often when people are thinking about like massive content investments in general, that the last part that you said there is so important, which is like the community building. It's super hard to build a community. It's super hard. So I understand why people don't want to invest in that. But like you said, with cookies going away and like what the new normal is and first party data being so critical, it's like it. we're at this period in time where it's like if you're not investing in channels that will continue to perform over time that you own, then like that's not a good place to be as a marketer. That means that, well, all of your competitors are going to continue building channels that they own and putting money into those. Then you're going to continue kind of like playing the casino, like putting your money into paid um, stuff that drives next, like you said, it drives this quarter, it drives next quarter, it's good for that stuff. And it's not, and there's still always going to be a place for that and capturing demand that's already out there. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to create things for the community that that improves people's lives and like i think it's it, we're at a point where it's critical like unless you have a completely different strategy and you're going to go counter to that and create zero content like you can't get trapped in the middle yeah i mean i, I you know i think i don't think it's an either or conversation i think a lot of the times people look at it i'm either a brand marketer or i'm a demand gen marketer yeah i think it's i think the world of marketing now has to be think about balance between those two things and really like i've got to have my long-term investments and ensure that I position the brand with the right level of awareness and the right and the right purpose environment and think about this in a smart way. But you gotta be able to capture it as well. And you gotta be able to capture that interest and turn it into demand generation for the business. And I, I think those two things go hand in hand. And I think too many marketers pick a lane these days. And like I'm either a demand gen marketer or I'm a brand brand marketer. And I, I hope that you know, one of the things I've tried to do with my career and, and sort of my team is exposed, I've exposed myself and our team to both, right? And just think about and build empathy for either side. And I think that's really helped within Salesforce. And we're not certainly out of the woods. We definitely have are building this muscle, but definitely part of our daily conversation for sure. Well, that's the that's the brand gen, right? It's like it's true though. I mean, it really is true. And it's something that, you know, being able to to think about those things and how this could drive like individual one-on-one sales impact singular accounts to, you know, like we always joke in, in the event space where it's like, you know, the whole party, like a whole, a whole after party or a whole thing mm-hmm. could just be about getting one customer in one after party because they're the, they're the key account that you want to go after. But it's funny because when I, I was working with Salesforce years ago, yeah, we would do that on a content level. We would say like, hey, this is the piece of content. Right. This account is a whatever, seven-figure account. This is super important. We want to do an A-plus treatment of their story. And we would spend a ton of effort and energy to get their story out and in front of as many people as possible. Like that's where you can fit those two things and be hyper tactical with that stuff. Right. I think so often people look at content as like, well, we're just going to make something that we think the world needs, or we're going to just find some search phrase and we're going to go after that phrase. And in reality, you can get super tactical with it. But if you don't have, if you don't have a destination where people can go, it's just not going to be successful. And, you know, Salesforce Plus is going to be the ultimate destination, right? It, it is going to be, you know, the place where people can go and they know that there's going to be high quality. They know that there's going to be a ton of stuff. And that is really exciting. 
Well, if you look at, you know, obviously we're not the first company to come up with a naming convention of blank plus, right? So there's a, there's a convention happening here. <laughs> um, uh, maybe the first business to business company, but not in general. So I think um, one of the things that we looked at was the quality of the content. And as part of these announcements, when you see Disney go into the streaming environment, when you see CNN, part of those announcements are twofold. One of them is, hey, we're doing this, which is always an interesting kind of proposition. And two is, here's the level of investment that we're making in our content arm, right? There's famous quotes out there that, you know, Netflix spends a billion billion dollars a year on original programming, whatever it is, how many billions of dollars now? I think there's a lot of interesting there that content in business to business setting, it's usually had an exception of like, oh yeah, it's good for a B2B company, or, you know, it's acceptable, this white paper's fine, because, but, we don't believe that to be the case. We don't believe there should be an exception now. We think the content we produce should be, could live on a Disney Plus or could live on a Netflix or could live on these settings. And that's the bar we set. I think the success or failure of Salesforce Plus will be in some ways predicated upon that. Do we deliver on the content quality required to keep people's attention, to keep people coming back and to engage with us in a more you know robust setting? And I think that's that's really the challenge that we talk about, right? So we started this mission with content not with a platform to be surfaced on. So we started leaving through change, as I mentioned. We now have role, role-based series, a, a, an, an honest original series for every every role in which we sort of market and sell to. And that's very purposeful, of course. But again, it's not, not a gated experience. It's just here to help people get, you know, get better at their roles. And I think that's a, I think if we do that right, I think the rest will fall in place. Yeah, I think this idea of like edutainment is is really important. When I talk to like my CMO pals, a lot of times they'll be like, I just don't have someone on my team who can create like educate or entertaining stuff. They're like, we can probably get like pretty close to like, this is really helpful, but it's never like really interesting. It's not compelling. It's not written like a story. It's not those things. And I think that that's one thing you have so many creative folks on your team. So I'd love to like dive into to that piece of this. How did you think about, how do you think about creating the content? How do you think about, you know, creating amazing things, educating people and entertaining things? I think a big part of it is relevance and just looking at what's happening in the world, right? Leading through change in February of 2020, nobody was ever thinking about, but in March of 2020, it became all that anybody was thinking about. And so I think it's just capturing the moment. And I think the one big thing that we're building ourselves, um, you know, building the muscle within Salesforce is to be real quick and quick in terms of newsroom-like setting, right? So if something happens in the world, Apple announces some killer product, Google decides to deprecate cookies, something, whatever, you know, whatever happens in the world, we think we should be able to turn around meaningful, helpful, and high-quality content in a short period of time to capture that interest. I think relevance really, really, really wins these days, more so than ever. It's always been a thing, but I think more so than ever now. So I think first off is being relevant. And part of that is, and, and part of that speed is really being able to do it with the right partners involved. So we've done a few, we've brought on, you know, very thoughtful partners to help us achieve all of this production at scale. We've brought on full-time employees that have a media background to help us in this, to really think about it in a newsroom setting. And we've also built capabilities within Salesforce. We've built incredible studios, edit environments. We've built, you know, brought on talent. We've got a world-class sort of audio suite, edit suite. We've got all kinds of fun things to be doing here at Salesforce and made a material investment there just to think about relevance and speed because what's relevant to a CMO now is different than it was six months ago. Um, and it'll be different six months from now. And I think that's really, really important that we can't we can't get to this model where maybe our business consumer peers are, which is like, I'm going to put a 
I'm going to make a bet on a pilot that'll that'll air in 2024. We're not there. I don't think we'll ever get to that point. <laughs> if you've worked with Salesforce, I believe you to that will. point. Um, maybe we will. You will. I believe. Maybe you. we will. Um, but I think we're focused now on quicker turn stuff. Again, I, I think you can do that with a high production value too. I, I think it's usually been a trade off. I either do quick and low production or long term and high production. And I, I, I think I think that's a I think that's a false choice. Um, I think we can do both. Um, and uh, that's our objective internally. Um, of course, uh, there's going to be some more rich storytelling things that we're planning on bringing into Salesforce Plus that are more documentary in nature, which probably will follow a different, a slightly longer trajectory. But in terms of capturing what's the, on the minds of our key members of our community, it's going to be quicker turn, high produced. Well, but I, I think that this is like a key differentiator here. And for those of our listeners who aren't like in content or don't, you know, work in this. There's a huge, huge difference between stuff that goes out that doesn't have an editor and a producer and things like that and stuff that does. Like I'm like I'm it's a huge difference. Yeah. And the difference is like this is like whether whatever you're doing, whether you're writing an article or producing a podcast or creating a video, the idea that you could like anyone can create a video right now on their iPhone, anyone can write an article, anyone can create a podcast, anyone can do any of these things, all the tools are out there. And it takes a deft creator and usually a very deft editor to turn it into something that is hyper compelling and interesting and all that. It's like, first you have to start with the premise, then you have to create the stuff that's good. And then you actually have to edit it for the person to be able to consume it. And I think that like one of the reasons why I was so excited about this is that is like simply the, like the editing piece of this It's like having someone who is being a tastemaker and saying like, these are the types of things that are interesting. And like, if you look back at what we used to get from what we still get from our sales teams is like, Hey, I want a white paper about this. Like, Oh, I want a white paper for a, you know, director of it at a mid market company that's in financial services or whatever it is. And now we can actually create real compelling, interesting content for that exact demographic rather than a white paper. You can create something amazing for that demographic. And the, uh, the possibilities are endless in terms of how many different types of people that you can create things for. Like that is so exciting, right? Like there's not a playbook for someone who's like the direct mid-market director of IT at a financial services company. And now there could be. And like that stuff to me, it moves the needle so far for the individual who like traditionally didn't necessarily have a career path or anything like that, that, that they could follow. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think it's a very astute observation. And I would also say that the content that does resonate has a different form and factor now too. Like, you know, we used to produce three hour long keynotes and, you know, it, it, like we're, we're talking in minutes now, like the average duration of, a, of, a, of an episode on Salesforce Plus will be 12 minutes. And we think that the, our average customer films and these testimonies we will tell used to be five minutes. Now they're 90 seconds. And so the, 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 you mentioned the phrase tastemaker, which is a word I use quite a bit inside Salesforce. Um, we think that the what really resonates is super, super unique these days. And it's got to be tighter. Uh, it's got to be more thoughtful. It's got to get to the point and be helpful. And people sniff out authenticity very quickly. And I think those are the things, those are sort of the, the North Star elements that we use, which is, does it res, is it relevant? Is it relevant now? Could it exist in six months ago or six months from now? If it's not the case, you know, I think, or if it is the case, I think that might not be as pointed as it needs to be. Is the quality there? 
does it does it fit within the duration and the attention spans? These are all things we have to consider along the way. And the editors, you mentioned that that pay attention to the sort of consumer behavior, the ones that are keeping an eye on what the trends are. I think they're the ones that really meet the meet the needs of the business for sure. I'm curious, you know, you you had this success in leading through change. What was like the scale of what that show has done? Was that kind of like one of the first clues that you were kind of like, wow, we need we need to make a ton more of these? Yeah. I mean, we started out, <laughs> we started out, I remember we did an episode with Soledad O'Brien and our CMO and we did it in like three days and we're like, we're just going to put this up and see what happens, right? We'll throw it up on Twitter. And and really the the, the underlying premise was we're just going to help people get through this pandemic. And you can, this is March, 2020. Nobody knew what was going on or what was going to happen. And everything was kind of in pretty dire straits, of course. And so we just thought we'd be helpful. And, you know, one episode decided we're going to do a second one. And then we thought after a week we'd be done because we'd all be back in the office and it would just be back to normal. Clearly that hasn't happened. And so um, it sort of just spiraled from there. And we, you know, we brought on an individual called Matt Jaffe, who came from ABC News. Um, Love Matt. Yeah. Shout out to Matt. Shout out to Matt. He's wonderful. And he's really a big visionary behind Salesforce Plus too. And he really helped us think about this in a bigger scale in terms of what does it mean to be to build a show that is is repetitive and builds builds on itself and really builds a narrative and moves it towards an end state that it really builds a community. And I think we're 70 episodes now into Leading Through Change, which is just mind-blowing to us. Um, and they're all unique and they all have this incredible story to them. And I think his experience in bringing in media backgrounds into a technology company has, you know, it's funny, all these media companies are bringing in technologists into their organizations and we're bringing a lot of media into technology companies just to think about storytelling in a different way. And, you know, I think Salesforce has been really great at telling stories, rich customer testimonials, talking about innovation. But in terms of building shows like Leading Through Change, we weren't really there. So bringing in folks like Matt, bringing in folks that can help us think through and, and producers and editors that can help us do these things in quick turn fashion was a big, big part of the journey for us. And I think that will continue. Last episode, when we were talking with um, with Craig, the CEO of Qualified, and he was talking about when he was CMO that you know one of his big regrets is that they didn't record all of the like early dream forces that like he's like we don't have like all this stuff. And I was kind of saying how when I, I when I did a session at Dreamforce a couple of years ago with with the CIO of Salesforce was was on my panel. And I got done and I was like, hey, you know, we want to repurpose this for X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, that wasn't that wasn't one of the ones that we recorded. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like it's the CM or it's the CIO. How do we now record that? And I think that like people don't realize, or people might not realize, like the absolute massive size and volume of content that something like Dreamforce creates. Like a huge library of like some of the best people in the world at their professions that are, you know, prepping and preparing and creating, you know, that, that 10 minute keynote, that 30 minute panel, like those sort of things. What's the scale of content that you're working with right now? Like what is going to be on Salesforce plus? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, you, you bring back some horror stories there. I just, you know, as recent as 2019, our our broadcast of Dreamforce was like a I ran I run the keynote and like I didn't even I was like oh yeah we're broadcasting this right I would that was the amount of thought that I put into it literally like oh yeah somebody's gonna watch it online <laughs> and so I think but now it's amazing to think about this you know from a from a content comp a media company like environment where it's just a rich environment so we'll have over 125 hours of of content being generated on Salesforce Plus as a result of uh, Dreamforce only uh, alone so it's just amazing to see and that's coming from you know 
deep dive technology how-to content that's coming from luminaries um uh, which we've announced that's coming from you know deep dives on the product that's coming from roadmap sessions that's coming from you know talks about our core values we're going to cover sustainability we're going to cover equality we're going to cover i mean every social issue happening in the world today and just a huge variety of content and our vision here is the reason why we salesforce plus we think is so strong is you know, we'd have this huge blip on Dreamforce viewership, like Dreamforce would happen and they would go, kind of go back to normal. But we expect this to be a much more enduring thing where we're actually holding back sessions and we'll release them as a cadence over time to keep people coming back to the platform along the way. And so we are thinking about it much more, you know, focused. And it's funny just to think about where I spend my time. In 2019, I spent 99% of my time on what the in-person experience would be and capturing that. And now it's it's probably 50-50, maybe even 60-40 in terms of what exists uh, online and within Salesforce Plus over anything else. Well, and it's funny, and I don't even mean to, you know, poke our collective eye on that one, because I remember, you know, sitting there at, at the time and this is how events a were done and still are done to a, to a large extent, which is right. you want people to go to the event, right? Like you want them to be like, well, the only place that you're going to hear this person is if you were there, like the only way that you're going to reach this ses- session is that if you have a ticket, if you're, you know, uh, or if you have your badge, if you're sitting in the seat and like, there is a value to that. Like you want to create those type of things as a marketer. Like you want to have like exclusive bespoke events that like only exist for one time. Like, you know, when whatever I, I, you know, when I saw Roman Mars at Dreamforce a bunch of years ago, it's like, that was, you know, that was a singular event. Right. Um, so there is value to that, but I think, you know, the collective aha moment that you all had was like, yeah, except for all the, you know, except for the billion people outside of this that can't access this stuff could we make this better for them? And, and that's where like, you know, having the, the technology platform that can actually deliver that as part of that, I'd love to get into like the product itself. Yeah. How did you, how did you like come up with the different, like, how are you going to organize the content? How do you think of the categories of the content, all of that? Yeah. Um, it's funny just to, just to touch back on your previous comment there. I think we looked at it like a warriors game, for example, um, where, you know, people, you can watch it on, you can watch it on your TV all day long and it's one, one experience. And in some cases it's a better experience to watch any sporting event on TV, but you have said there's such a draw to be there in person and there's such a sort of vibe to it that I think we can do deliver both. And we just never looked at it that way. So I think there is precedent there. In terms of what's really drawn and how we think about organizing the content principles um, associated with Salesforce Plus, I mentioned Netflix and, and Peloton. So what we were really inspired by Peloton is this ability to do live, community-based content that exists that has a forcing function to go there at a purpose at a particular time and there's scheduled sessions and you dial in as you want you can get shot outs you can high five people you can do all these things there's a level of engagement um, that we really are inspired by so you're going to see during dreamforce there's four live channels happening on salesforce plus that will have a uniquely have an MC and have uh, you know kind of guided almost like the Olympics with Mike Tirico. We'll have Soledad O'Brien and Hassan Minhaj uh, will be our sort of MCs across the day, which is really interesting. And so that'll be sort of fascinating. We're thinking about a show flow, a run a show for the whole day now, which is kind of crazy. So different perspectives there. So we have a live live setting, four channels, 125 hours of content. As those things come to an end, we're also bringing those to on-demand settings, again, inspired by Netflix. So the, the Netflix setting will be exactly as you would expect from Netflix. There's series and there's episodes associated with this. And so you can access all of this content organized by your role. So if you're a sales buyer, you're, you're a marketer, you got everything you need 
in one place to kind of be inspired by Dreamforce content. We're also capturing stuff ahead of Dreamforce, and we've done almost 60 hours of broadcast of studio time capturing really interesting things from luminaries and thought leaders and all kinds of things that will be pu published on Salesforce Plus during the, the moment Dreamforce's doors open. So it'll be a pretty rich experience from minute one of Dreamforce and really get, allow you to kind of take your own journey as well. As I mentioned, the, we, the biggest complaint we get at Dreamforce is like, there's just so much content, I can never consume it all at the same time. And so I missed out on two thirds of the content I wanted to see. We think Salesforce Plus alleviates that with the on-demand library and the way that it is. So the on-demand library is organized by, by role and then by topic and then by industry. So you can pick whatever is relevant to you. Um, and in future iterations of this, of course, through technology, we'll be able to personalize it and be able to save content and things like that that is you know, Netflix smart. Um, and I think that's going to be our next journey or later this year as well. What about ads? How are you thinking about advertising on the platform? So currently it's not an ad supported platform. Uh, we don't expect it to be. We are co-producing content with partners and sponsors. Um, and that's very, they're very thoughtful. So, you know, you'll see content from partners like Accenture and Deloitte and IBM and so many over hundred, we have over a hundred partners supporting Dreamforce that will be co-producing content that'll be found within it. We're also looking at real-time engagement on the platform as well. So how do we answer questions in real time with our partners and really bring sort of the surface, the demand and the, and the attention at the same time? I think that's really thoughtful. But at this point, we're not really looking at this as an ad-supported platform. We're looking at this as really uh, almost uh, an opportunity to engage and build that community in a first-party data way through Salesforce and through um, you know our own sort of identity and authentication offerings that will help us um, help us just build a stronger community than Salesforce. And much like Trailhead, that's exactly our vision. Do you think that um, you know from a partner perspective that this is something that? Well, I, I guess I should just ask, how excited are your partners for this? Because I'd imagine that, that they'd be pretty, pretty enthused about this, uh, the way that this could live on uh, for literally this content could live on for years and years to come. Yeah, good. Yeah, they're very excited. I think um, most are very excited, I should say. I think a lot of our partners, uh, you know, the event landscape and business to business is so rich because you got these great expos with big booths and you come in there and you get all your lead scans and you walk out of the conference and you have 7,000 emails from all the people you talk to and you got to parse through them and people are hounding you for the, like that model is extremely rich for, for partners at Dreamforce. Like we have, you know, unbelievable volumes of partners at Dreamforce and that's really, really valuable. And I think the big thing that, as with any type of innovation setting, is you got to get kind of get people there. You got to get people comfortable with it. And I think a lot of our partners initially were, how do I get my lead scans with the executive audience? How do I do that? How do I get back to that world? And when it, you know, when it became clear that we wanted to move towards more of a Netflix-inspired, Peloton-inspired model, I think there was a little resistance actually, um, both internally and externally, to our partners of like. You can do this, but I just want to get my lead scans back. And I we think that there and that's I understand that. And we're building a lot of that into the into Salesforce Plus where we can help our partners think about generating business within the Salesforce community and being smart about what that looks like. Um, but I don't think it's gonna be exactly replicated in the model that happened in person. We don't think it's a translation, we think it's a transformation. And I think that's something we're very, very thoughtful in doing. But yeah, partners are definitely front and center of this. The way that I like to think about the Salesforce ecosystem showing up is the full force of Salesforce. We have all of our partners. It shows how active and vibrant the community and our ecosystem is. That's part of the magic of, of Salesforce and Dreamforce. And so I think that's that's been thoughtful for minute one associated with it. But I couldn't say that it was 100%, we got it, we're sold, let's go. We definitely had some objections to handle. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. It's just like, it's just two different things. And I think that like that's 
going to become more clear over time, which is like the type of person that wants to go to an, an in-person event and do all this stuff in person and, you know, isn't going to watch stuff, uh, you know, later on or, or doesn't want to, you know, watch business content on their, on their, you know, Apple TV or whatever, like those people will, will do their thing. And people who, you know, can't afford to go to Dreamforce or, you know, can't go that year or whatever it is can now engage, you know, remotely, like it gives people a choice. And I think that that's one of the things that what you just said, I think is so funny and interesting because it's like marketers clamoring for the way that things used to be, right? It's like, well, I wish it could just be this way because this is how we've always done it. And it's like, guess what? That never actually worked for everyone anyways. You just didn't know that it didn't work for everyone. That's just what was working best for you at that moment in time. And I think that like, you know, this new this new challenge is, is really difficult, you know, like, and we've had CMOs on this show come and say like, Hey, we had 30,000 people sign up for our event this year. We've never had more than 2000. We had 30,000, but the engagement level was like one tenth of what it was. And so, you know, it's like, Hey, there's huge, huge, massive pros in a reach perspective to this. And the engagement perspective is going to be different because it's different, you know, sharing a drink with someone at an after party and saying like, Hey, do you want to buy our stuff? Then it is, or, you know, or getting, you know, having a thousand people stop by your booth and scanning their badge. It's just, it's just a different motion. And I think that like the savvy marketers will understand how they can, you know, potentially do both of those at the same time. It's i I'm a big fan of this phrase. It's digital transformation, not digital translation. And I think that's a big, big part of our focus here. And, you know, yeah, there's probably less engagement Salesforce. We had this incredible stat from Dreamforce this past year, where we had 140 million people watch Dreamforce on Twitter. It's the most watched broadcast in the history of Twitter and um, beating Beyonce, by the way. Just like to drop that nugget. Um, no, but I mean, I think um, you know we're not getting the level of engagement we would with somebody that's deep into Dreamforce walking around the campus on the event. You're absolutely right, but can we use it to drive better personalization and better resonance with people that are actually ready to engage? And and you know, it's almost like you walk on site at Dreamforce and everything is built perfectly for you. Like the technology allows us to do that in a digital setting, and so that's really what we're able to turn the, the dial up on here. And I think that'll in the long run really work out well for us. Any things that surprised you in the creation process here um, about creating Salesforce Plus? Um, how quickly it came together was really surprising. Frankly, it was it was an ambitious thing, but it, you know, I think when you, when people kind of it was actually when we named it Salesforce Plus, people really just got it. And it was the benefit of a consumer world analogy that just people like, oh, I get it. It was very quickly. That was a big surprise to me. On the opposite side, though, as with anything new and a new vision on something, getting people internally to sort of rally around this idea was challenging. But like, yeah, but what about my lead scans? How am I going to? Again, it goes it, that happens with our partners, but it also happens internally. So I remember that one of the most challenging things that we did was writing the press release of like, how are we going to position this? Because it's un it's unprecedented to a degree. That was one of the more I remember being up late one night, just like banging my head on the wall, like why why don't people understand this? And so I think um, I think we just got to think through the way to position this, and also the proof will be in the pudding, as they say, right? That we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna build it, and we're gonna see what happens, and we're gonna give it the old college try. And pretty excited about the outcome, but um, you know I think as with anything, you got to kind of prove it. Yeah, back in the day, I remember. Um... This is this is random aside, but I'm not sure if you're familiar with Rich Eisen from NFL Network. Yeah, and he's yeah he said that the reason why he wanted to go to the NFL Network when he left ESPN was he wanted to have something that was that was um, that was live 
that he was a part of. And he's like, the NFL is always live in the moment. It's always important. And he's like, and he, he's like, I wanted to create a podcast because I wanted something that was on demand that it's like, you could, you could take, you know, rich with you anywhere. And I always thought that was, so this is like what 20 years ago, probably, but like this, it always stuck with me because it was such like a clear encapsulation of the, of the future. Right. Which is like live is always going to be important. Like live events are always going to be, I mean, like no kidding, but like, it, but in business, I think this is really important. It's like live is always going to be important. There is a, there's a reason to be there and to be at the cutting edge and to learn stuff like things like that matter, like seconds matter in business. So therefore, if you're hearing it live, it has a huge advantage. The earlier you are to like learning information and content, the the better off it is. But also it's like, you want to have this on-demand component. And it's, it seems like Salesforce plus is like the missing piece of Obviously, Salesforce had tons and tons and tons of content over the years, but this, but collecting it and organizing it and making it a curated experience and, and that tastemaker experience to have this on-demand experience that can go with Dreamforce, that can be with you throughout the year, feels like the missing piece of that pairs with like the same quality that Dreamforce is live. Now you have the same quality in an on-demand service. Yeah, I think a big part of our, you know, we have more content we know what to do with, but a lot of what Salesforce Plus has been is about resisting a lot of that content and just focusing on a particular bar for quality and a particular resonance and a particular area of the quasi-funnel that we talk about so much unnecessarily inside technology companies. Um, I think it's a big, big part of it for sure. And you know, I think the opportunities to bring that with a level of personalization and thoughtfulness and, and using technology for good in this context and make it a better experience for you, Ian, is really something that I'm truly inspired by. I'm not going to put a bunch of irrelevant stuff in front of you. If you're a marketer, I'm not going to put customer service stuff in front of you as we do today. I'm going to put marketing stuff in front of you and it's going to be relevant to you. And I think if we do that in a really thoughtful way, it'll keep you coming back. And that's the hope. I know it's still early days. Any do-overs? Anything that you're like, well, probably should have done this better. I would have done it sooner. Um, frankly, I would have done it sooner. I would have done it last year, but we did it this year. And uh, I think that's a big thing. You know, I think the thing, key thing here is I would just met, met, you know, modern technology, modern technology, modern technology. I think this has to be a technology forward way. And I think you, you use the analogy of world-class product and world-class content before, like, I think, you know, we built this all on Salesforce, which I'm really proud of. And we're, you know, we're pulling the levers of and pushing our product team at Salesforce to actually bring in things. So like Salesforce Plus is connected to our CDP. It's connected. It runs 100% on Salesforce. It's all scaled through Heroku. It runs on a Salesforce organization. All the data models built on Salesforce. So I'm just really like... I'm with. I'm trying to be the best Salesforce on Salesforce story we possibly can be, and allow that to turn that you know a lot of that information into insight for our sales team too. Like, hey, there's a bunch of heat around this particular marketing content episode over there. What does that mean for our product portfolio? What does that mean for our sales plans? What does that mean for those things? And and really use insight behind the scenes to really help drive our marketing channel. So really, just thinking about, I would just. I would leverage the most advanced technology we have available to us. And thankfully at Salesforce, we have an immense amount of it. Almost hard to get my head wrapped around it as a sort of a product owner in this context. But uh, yeah, really excited about that. And I would just build on, I would build, 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 build with more interesting technology. That's what I would do differently. Yeah, I, it's such a fascinating, I mean, you're talking about, it's just such a, um, like you said, it's such an advantageous position to be in. Um, but, you know, heavy, heavy wears the crown, I suppose, to have so much awesome stuff. Like I said, the edit button, right? It's like there's a lot of stuff out there. And I think that, you know, like 
I mean, Seth Godin writes about this a lot. There's always a race to the bottom, right? There's always this race of like, well, I could get someone to outsource this, to write this article for me for $50. Well, I could actually find someone to write it for 10. I was like, oh, I could have somebody write it for five. And it's like this race to the bottom. But, you know, it's the old adage, right? It's like there's there's no traffic on the extra mile. To actually take the extra mile to create really high quality, great stuff is the way to go. It's just harder. Right. And like most marketing teams have have challenges of like trying to even find or figure out a way to create that that high quality, that bar, have that bar of of level of quality. And it's really cool to see, right. you know, to be able to go to a place where you know that there is going to be a minimum standard of content that it's like, if I know I'm here, I'm safe. Right. Like I know that right. anything that I watch here is going to be good stuff that somebody else has said, like, no, this is something good. Colin, any final uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, I'm just so excited for for Salesforce Plus. Obviously, excited for you. This is a, a Herculean effort to pull together so quickly, and uh, and something really cool that, that we're going to follow along. Yeah, no, just just thank you for the opportunity to spotlight it. Dreamforce is September 21st through the 23rd, so check it out. Salesforce.com/plus, and uh, you know, look forward look forward to your feedback, um, and hopefully, we get a chance to build something special and have us on again to talk more about it. Yeah, indeed, we will. We'll have to have you after after Dreamforce, after the the dust settles, after you've had a break. Uh, we'll we'll bring you back. Thanks yeah. so much. I need a vacation first, but uh, yes, after that, happy to be back. Yeah, no, exactly. All right, take care, Colin. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate it. ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.